All right, so we are here at the Florida Anime Experience with Brina Palencia. Thank Good you. job on the pronunciation. That's accurate. Did I get it right? Yes. Oh, Brina awesome. Because I'm known, I'm actually known on our podcast to butcher names. Really? Yeah. You so, nailed mine. It's, it's not pretty. <laughs> uh, those poor, poor listeners of the podcast. We, we got the 1% on this one. So thank you for joining us. How are you enjoying the convention so far? Uh, it's great. It's just the first day, um, but it's been good so far. Excellent. So, when you dubbed the recent Evangelion movies, did you have any experience working directly alongside, like, Spike or Tiffany or anyone like that? Well, when we voice act, we always voice act alone. So, I wasn't working alongside them. Like, I maybe if I was lucky, I heard them in my pre-roll if they had already recorded before me. But they're both from out of town, so I usually went first. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was like to work with them because I did it. But it do, I, I know voice actors record in a room, but, well, in a room. That sounds no. so... Everything is done <laughs> technically in rooms. Now we're getting really philosophical here. Um but are the, do voice actors ever connect, like, on social or something? Like, Project Evangelion Facebook uh, page. If people <laughs> tag us in the same thing, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I only recently have hung out with Spike at all. I've never really... I have. I actually just ran into Tiffany in the hallway, and I was like, I don't think I've seen you in, like, five or six years. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really... Yeah, I don't... I especially don't know Tiffany. I know Spike better. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Weird. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing because I feel like voice actors are almost like this fly-by-night profession where it you do it and, and many voice actors or actresses have studios in their house and it doesn't seem, you, you don't work with other people live and it yeah. doesn't seem like there's a huge network outside it or anything like that. Yeah, not really. I mean, you always work with the director. Um, so the voice actors that I know, I met through directing them a lot of the time. Because um, I directed School Rumble, um, last episodes of Moon Phase, some episodes of Holic. Um, what else did I direct? Oh, Black Blood Brothers. I gave Michael T- Tatum his first starring role. You're welcome, world. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, most most people that I really got to know, either they directed me, like Colleen Clinkenbeard or Chris Sabat, or I directed them. How did you make the jump into directing, or did, did you start in directing and then go no, to voice? No, I started in voice acting. Um, for whatever reason, Colleen Clinkenbeard like, really took me under her wing whenever I first started working at Venimation. She was one of the first people to cast me, um, and she just kind of like, I don't know, just made me like her project. It was, it was awesome. Uh, I would not be where I am today without her. Um, and she just randomly asked me, she was like, do you want to be a director? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, and, and she, uh, yeah, she, um, gave me the opportunity. She had me assistant direct for her, which with uh, assistant directing for anime is not the same as like for film or for uh, stage. It's just where, um, basically the, primary director is not available that day but they have to record somebody and then you just kind of fill in for them go ahead so um (laughs) sorry you said that colleen kind of took you under your under her wing when when you started out how so how did you first get into the anime industry well i auditioned um they had they and i think they still have them they have open calls um 
And I had known, I knew about Funimation because I had taken a tour of Funimation when I was like 16. Um, so I got on their open call list. And uh, luckily when I signed up, it was only like a couple months of a wait. I think nowadays if you don't have an agent or if you don't know somebody, it's like two years or something crazy like that. Um, and so, yeah, I just came in and auditioned. And I, from there I got a lot of bit parts. Um, and Walla, which is like the crowd noise that you hear or whatever, just like, oh, yes, I would like to buy these bananas, please. Um, <laughs> which is actually really fun. Walla sessions are the only times that you actually do get to work with other actors because there's like three or four, sometimes five of you in the booth just like pretending to talk to each other. Um, those are actually really fun. I kind of miss doing those. Um, but yeah, where, where am I going? What happened? How Wait, what's you, the question? How you first got into the industry? <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I auditioned. I should have just said that. Done. And that's the answer. I auditioned. <laughs> the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about directing. In, in Japan, on the animation side of things, because I'm, I'm fairly, I'm a little bit more familiar with that or maybe equally familiar or whatever, um, most directors start out as animators. And, and there's kind of that expectation that you work up through the ranks. Now, that's a very cultural Japanese thing. But is there any kind of feeling like that here in the States? Like, could someone who's interested in entering in the anime industry work toward entering as a director? Or is that there, there an expectation that you start as a voice actor? It's an expectation that you either start as a voice actor or an um, engineer. Because it's such a specific skill set to be able to uh, see, we call it C-flaps, like see the mouth movement and understand if a line is not fitting, understanding what needs to happen, like how it needs to be rewritten, or how the uh, actor has to deliver it differently. And um, it's better to have just a background in the genre, because uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, have a directing background in like theater or film or whatever, and they just don't really get anime. You know, and like they just don't really get what reads the best. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it definitely, I don't know any director that started as a director at Funimation. They all started as either a voice actor or an engineer. One of, one of the things that Spike was saying was that, you know, the voice, voice actors are, and really any actors in many ways, are showing up to kind of facilitate the vision of the director and follow instruction and whatnot. But I feel like outside of the industry, from a fan perspective, Voice actors take the heat if if a show doesn't do well or if, or if things go well. Is it the same in the industry, or, or do directors take the heat if a show a show doesn't do well? I would say nine times out of ten, people don't even realize that there's a director. Like they just don't even think about it. They always, uh, yeah, we always take the heat if they don't like our performance. Um, but at the same time, we also get all the glory. Like no one ever remembers who the director is or typically cares. It's so rare. Have there ever been times, and you don't have to be specific, but any times when you've been directed and you kind of disagreed with them, but you kind of just had to go along with it anyways, even though? Yeah, I mean, sure. There are times that I didn't necessarily understand why I was being directed a specific way, um, but that's usually because I haven't seen the show. You know what I mean? That's why I typically, even if I don't get it, I still tend to or, or believe the director um, because they know the show way better than I do. And so typically, most I'd say at least 99% of the time, even if I didn't understand it when I see it in context, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that's why I had to do it that way. Um, but... There have been times that, like, I'll go back and watch something and I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, why didn't you tell me that this is going to be over? Blah, 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 blah. Actually, a lot of times 
the good thing with anime is that we do get to see the final product, like we get to watch it. Uh, so we'll always preview it in Japanese first, like whatever scene we're doing, um, and then record. But with video games, you don't get, have that luxury. So there have been times in video games that like I'll see the final product and be like, what? You didn't tell me I was, you know, in a battlefield situation, <laughs> like, and I'm just like talking super casually, like that doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's very rare that that happens. Usually the director does know way better than you. <laughs> so talking about kind of success and failure and fans and whatnot, what, if any, would you say are some of the most prevalent trends in the consumer anime industry here in the United States? No idea. <laughs> that that um, sure. Well, the economic analysis that I did, uh, I, I made a graph here. Um, I've no, I don't know. <laughs> Pe- I, people watch it sometimes. Um, I, I don't, what do you mean? Well, do you, do you do you hear certain <laughs> questions changing from fans, like the type of questions that fans are asking you as you interact with them at conventions, or the way that people are consuming anime and the medium of anime? Or even on the technology side, the types of things that you can do with anime from a license or technology perspective changing. Yes, on like uh, as far as questions at conventions, nothing has really changed. Uh, so it depends on it's different convention to convention. Sometimes you'll have a convention that's like all crazy fangirls who are like, "Oh my god, say this line! Oh my god, who do you ship?" Ah! Lots of screaming, my ears hurt. It's awkward. Um, and then sometimes you'll go to a convention. And it's like all super cerebral fans who are like, I want to know very specific, you know, the in, inner workings of how everything goes down. Like that question like, you just asked. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, what is we, happening? We can ask some really yeah. weird questions if you want. Like, no, I actually prefer the more cerebral. Um, and then as far as the technology, um, I think especially, I feel like, uh, maybe I'm biased, but I feel like Funimation has sort of taken the helm of like streaming stuff and doing the simulcast stuff which I think is brilliant because it's you know it does make it harder on the directors and the actors because you do have to be more available and it's like you know you're always having to record in short segments like episode per episode instead of being able to do like let's do all 13 episodes in this one you know uh session but I think it's smart because I feel like and I don't know the statistics, but I feel like it cur- has been curbing the piracy issues, um, and it just makes it easier uh, for them to actually make money, and it makes them more um, competitive, you know, with the other uh, other um, dubbing houses. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like Funimation has been really smart, and they do like a lot of cool special features that you can watch on YouTube and all that. Um, I think, you know, because the internet's not going away, you need to use it to your own advantage. So I think it's smart that they put it up, uh, you know, subtitled in the second that they get the license for it, and then as quickly as they can get the dub out so that people aren't, like, feeling the need to do fan dubs and all that stuff. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is an interesting differentiator that Funimation is trying to do right now is those quick turn dubs, because... As far as simulcasting and subtitle, I mean, Funimation is playing in a pool with some very big competitors like Hulu and Crunchyroll and things like that, but I don't know of any other dubbing house that's doing... Now, granted, they are a couple weeks later, but they're much faster. We're getting dubs much faster than what we used to, and I I think that's a very interesting shift that I'm seeing, and I'm I'm just always thinking about what's that decision-making process and what is it working toward? I mean, does Funimation want to get faster and faster with the dubs or how fast do you think dubs can be turned? 
Man, I don't know. I know with Space Dandy, they were, I think it was like the same week that it would come out in Japan, it came out. Because I know there were times that we would have to, when I, because I did the music directing for Space Dandy, and um, we would have, all of a sudden, the animation would change, and I would have to like change up the words, uh, the lyrics, because it wouldn't fit the animation anymore, um, just as far as how their mouth was moving. So, yeah, Space Dandy was really hard though because of that it was really really trying for especially the um script adapters because they're having to turn it out so fast and a lot of times it's like to the animation that doesn't exist you're just like hoping that this works <laughs> um so yeah i don't know i don't know that they'll do that again but i think i think it's cool i think it's i think it's smart i think it and it kind of gives our work a lot more validity like if it it's not just a dub if we're doing it at the same time it's like we're kind of helping mold that character a little bit you know which i think is more exciting as the actor but it is a pain for the directors and for the adapters it's hard it makes it way harder one of the interesting things too that i i see as a shift in just the world and not just in anime is is people are shifting from i want to own my media to i want to own the rights to access media so it's not, I want to have this giant DVD collection, I want Netflix. Yeah. And I think, I feel like anime is going the same place. So how do you see the, the role of physical media in anime, just from your, your opinion? In my experience, especially, I mean, with anything that has like such a strong fandom, I feel like the physical media is still really important because they want something that they can have signed and all that. So I have noticed, though, that they're much less intense with their box sets nowadays. It used to be, you know, like like the School Rumble box set was so awesome. It was like this little locker. And then, like, the I remember the Trinity Blood one was really cool and had these crazy folds everywhere. And then the Beck one was, like, an actual, like fake amp or whatever it was so awesome but they I don't it. yeah it's <laughs> cool but they don't really do that anymore like they don't they don't spend the money to you know make them as elaborate as they used to now it's more you know they're trying to give you more bang for your buck i guess um but at the same time there's people a lot of people are still buying those dvds just so they can get it to be signed now i don't know what percentage of people that actually watch it you know care about getting stuff signed. I know I never, I've never liked getting stuff signed. I've actually backed something on Kickstarter recently because I wanted to get the t-shirt for it. It was like some web series and I really wanted the t-shirt. It was so cute. And they were like, yeah, you'll get a signed t-shirt. And then I asked in the comments, I was like, please don't sign it. <laughs> and then I got it and they did. And I was so upset. I was like, I don't care about you. I just want the t-shirt. <laughs> but I didn't want to like write them and be like, how dare you sign this? I don't care about you as an actor. You're worthless. That's not what people want to hear. So <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the percentage is, but so, I know there's always going to be a market for it. I guess it's a good thing I didn't bring my Beck box set for you to sign it. That's cool. <laughs> oh, no, I don't mind. I, that at home. I don't mind signing things for people, but I just personally don't get the appeal. I, I will never understand it. So you've definitely done a lot of you know voice work and anime and video games and things like that. Um, but you've also done some work on television, and uh, have you done theater work? I did theater in high school and early college. Okay, so what are, what are some of the major differences between, you know, all those different avenues of acting? Oh man, they're so different. Um, they're so different. Uh, well, first of all, with film and theater, you actually have to memorize your lines. Um, with 
voice acting, you don't really get a chance to prepare. You're kind of just thrown into it, and then they're like, here's this script. There are a lot of times that I'll go in to record something, and I don't even know when I'm recording. Like, I have no idea what character it is. I don't know what game it's for or what show it's for. I'm just coming in to record. And it's like, it could be, I, I freaking, I, when, I like, I hate it when this happens. But, like, I had to do something with an accent recently, and it was an accent I had never done. And they were like, by the way, <laughs> you're going to have to do an accent. Like, when I got there, I'm like, what? <laughs> I absolutely would have prepared for this if I would have been given some kind of warning. Um, but with, you know, television, film, theater, obviously you have a lot more time to prepare, especially in theater. In theater, it's like you're rehearsing, 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 sometimes for months before the show goes up. Um, with film, you don't get rehearsal, but you do get time to memorize the stuff. With TV, I can't tell you how many times I got the script either the day of or the day before, and you just have to know it immediately. Yeah. Like when I got cast in Starcrossed, um, they, that was such a whirlwind because um, I had they had flown me out to LA to test and that's like basically just a really important audition uh, it means when you test I think legally they have to tell you whether you made it or not whereas if it's just a regular callback you just could never hear from them again and like they're just we'll call you yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> um, but with a test they legally have to tell you and so they told me um, it's like they have seven days to tell business days to tell you and I think they told me like five days or whatever so I was just like <gasps> waiting by my phone and then they my agent called and she was like okay so you will know by the end of today whether or not you got it and you have to pack a bag because you may or may not have to get on a plane immediately and so I always think about like how sad would that have been if I hadn't have gotten it and then I would have to like unpack everything. Oh, that's <laughs> but an luckily, awful yeah, luckily I got it. I flew in the next morning, did a fitting, and then like got back to my hotel that night, and then I got the script to record for like a seven or eight a.m. call the next morning. So like I had to memorize my stuff like immediately, and like so TV is super fast, um, which is kind of exciting. Uh, Basically, you get about as much preparation as you do for voiceover, and but you have to have everything memorized, and you have to have like a very fleshed out character, and like really like work hard to make this a real person. So one thing I'm curious about thinking about that flight scenario of of how TV, you know, it's costly to get people from point A to point B, whereas a good thing in voice acting is people don't even have to leave their house sometimes to to do the work. Have you ever done work for overseas, or is there any kind of global market for voice actors where... Not that I know of. I'm sure that there is somewhere, but it's not, like, super common. Especially because if it is overseas, that means it's, you know, in England where they want someone who has the accent, or, you know, Australia or whatever or somewhere that is a totally different language, so why on earth would they have us do it? I can think of some anime in their original Japanese that could have used some English voice actors. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Where I just watched that, I'm like, you couldn't, just any, like, just any foreigner just anyone, off the street, yeah. anyone would have yeah, been better. Totally. Even if they can't act with a lick, it would have been better. I've been told, and I don't even know if this is true, but I've been told that if you hire... Uh, expats in Japan that it's like super expensive I think hmm. um, there might be some visa issues or something like yeah that. I think so I don't know so maybe that's why I have no idea okay 
So you you were saying that um, with with anime and uh, other voice work that you basically get the script like the day of like you walk in and they're like yeah. read these lines um, has has that made it difficult at times to connect emotionally with a character or what's going on with them yeah absolutely and I think for me it kind of um, it was a really great boot camp for TV uh, because you know you have to buy in immediately because I mean that's the only real trick to acting is just believe your circumstances like it all really just boils down to that just believe whatever is happening speak the truth of the moment exactly um, so with anime it is some weird truths that you have to believe <laughs> and you have to do it instantly so for me, I feel like it was actually a really great exercise. Have you ever seen as a, a voice actor or as a director, someone walk away from a role because of some of those weird truths? I mean, there are some anime out there that deal with some pretty far out, crazy, ethical, moral, social issues. Has, has, is there any precedent or even in Funimation precedent for people just being like, I, I'm not going to play a character who's like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because we have a lot of people that are teachers or work for churches and stuff like, you know, outside of Funimation, and they could lose their jobs doing that, which is why I know for a lot of my friends who have had to use uh, fake names before, it is frustrating when people try to out them because they could literally lose their livelihood. They could get compl totally get fired. Like if, if they're, you know, principal or whatever, like found out that they did that show. So... Don't do that, guys. <laughs> you know, I never, I never thought of. I've always heard of non diplume for for in um, union versus right. non union, but I never yeah. thought of it from that perspective yeah. of working and whatnot. Yeah. Or it's people who have kids and they don't want their kids right. googling them and finding some crazy tentacle thing or something. You know what I mean? That they did years ago. Well, we all have a tentacle in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> we all have a tentacle in the closet. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to use that from now on. You are more than welcome. I would be honored. So con kind of conversely to the question I asked before um, about being able to connect with the character on an emotional level, have there been characters where you've like truly connected with them and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, more than just playing the role, you actually kind of felt what they were feeling? Absolutely. Um, probably the most that that has happened um, I felt that way a lot with Maho and Beck, um, but even more so with Natsuki and Summer Wars. Um, for any of you who have seen it, who are listening to this, you know it's uh, a very strong theme of it is her relationship with her grandmother. And my grandmother uh, raised me along with my mom, and she had passed away like two years before we recorded it, and so I dedicated my performance to her. So there's a scene where like there's a really emotional scene in that that is the most like I I was crying so much that my like my the collar of my shirt was wet like I, I had that many tears um but it was I love that I love that movie it's so good if any of you have not seen it go watch it it's beautiful seconded that because it is an amazing film so yeah. we're we're coming up on time but before we before we wrap this up I want to end with a rapid fire. So rapid fire. Oh God. Oh God. Please gonna... <laughs> stress me out. I'm stressed. I'm already stressed. Before we start, just know that we can edit this. So okay, it's okay. okay. And that we've already had F-bombs dropped. So. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. A little pressure down. So I'm basically, think of it as a word association. I'll say a word phrase. You just say the first thing that pops into your head. No okay. judgment. <laughs> judgment free zone. Oh God. Anime. Tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> Anime. Voices. Japan. Pretty. Giant robots. Awesome. Rei Ayanami. Beautiful. Spike Spencer. 
Cool. One thing people don't know about you. Oh. Um. Oh. I'm just an open book, you guys. One thing people don't know about me. Oh! <laughs> well, currently, I have uh, blood on my eardrum because a blood vessel burst in my ear. So now, every time that I record, if I have to laugh a lot or scream or sing, it has a weird buzzing in my ear. Like, it's like a... How, how did that happen? I just have really messed up ears. I've had, like, so many ear infections, and I have all this scar tissue in my ear, and I still get ear infections all the time, so apparently I was messing with my ear too much, like, scratching my inner ear. So it started because I scratched my inner ear, and then, like, it bled. And then it happened a second time because I was using inner earphones. I am now banned for life for using inner earphones. I can't use them anymore um, because they, my inner ear canal is so sensitive that I will bleed. It will burst a blood vessel so i have super sensitive ears well that definitely works for one thing people probably don't know about you yeah japanese snacks Ooh, uh pickled plum mm. anime convention mm, fun cosplay fun well thank you so much for speak <laughs> sitting down and speaking with us and we hope you enjoy the rest of your convention i will and um, if, if people want to be able to follow you online or reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Um, Twitter, at Brina Palencia. And I also have an Instagram, Brina Kins. And I just started doing this thing on my Instagram that has been super fun. And I would have actually done more of it, except that I had to come to this convention, which I'm happy to do. But it's uh, I've been doing 15-second songs. Uh, like, if you leave me, like, a one-word comment on my one of my videos, I will try to make a song out of it, like, just a 15-second song I'm posting on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram, because I will be doing that more, because it was really freaking fun. I've done two so far. So Excellent.